If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Oh, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, we're going to talk vice presidential debate tonight. Vice presidential debate. Or this morning, last last night's vice presidential debate. And there's lots to talk about, yes, including... The Pence Fly, it's which appears to uh, appears to be the biggest news on Twitter this morning. But it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You know, I found out uh, yesterday that we're now streaming the program live to our website, which you can see by visiting ToddHuffShow.com. You can also watch it on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope slash Twitter. So it is good to be here, and I appreciate you joining us. So let's talk about this vice presidential debate last night. Um, Just opening, I guess, impressions from the debate. I think the impressions that I got were that, of course, first and foremost, this thing was much different than the debate we saw uh, last week between President Trump and Vice former Vice President Joe Biden. This thing, uh, for people who are, I don't know, those that have followed politics closely their entire lives or for a long time, this is something that felt more like a debate. It seemed more serious. It got tense at times. By the way, I I just the likability, the likability of Kamala Harris is uh, just I I don't I don't see it. I don't see how this was a, a good pick uh, by Joe Biden to select Kamala Harris. I don't know how she's you know, received by average suburban women, for example, or just uh, she the the condescending tone, the facial expressions. I just I don't I don't see that at all. I think I think she's a very unlikable politician. Just just her stage presence, if you will, her facial expressions, her don't lecture to me stuff, just is not. Again, we're we're in the world now of you know televised debates, and this is uh, just I think a 
an unfortunate part of what, you know, I guess the, the Kennedy debates were the first televised and people talked about, um, talked about how good looking Kennedy was and all this sort of stuff. And that we went from talking about issues to talking about the theater of this stuff. And I think along with that comes, comes some of this. I mean, you can't simply, yeah, you can't simply talk about ideas anymore. There's all these other factors. And, and, and I'm not saying that none of them, I don't mean to be misunderstood and think that none of them matter. Some of these things do matter. I think you can tell some things about temperament and attitude, and I think those things uh, can certainly play a role in someone's decision. Now, if we're using the video to see who has the better smile or who has the clothing that the audience prefers or who wore the right color red or blue or whatever sort of stuff, that's a total different conversation. But I think you can tell a lot about the personalities of those on the stage. And, of course, Pence came out and did what Pence does. Pence is going to stay calm. He's going to stay focused. He was on the attack on Kamala Harris, on her ideology, on the administrations, well, not the administrations, on the uh, the Harris-Biden. I think we should start calling it that, the Harris-Biden ticket. I mean, they did. Both of them have done this. Both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have referred to this as the Harris-Biden administration, future Harris-Biden administration, at least the Harris-Biden campaign today, I think we should refer to it as such because because of things we talked about yesterday. Um, and, of course, it goads the radical left just a little bit. But there's a lot of radical ideas. She was, as Pence pointed out, Kamala Harris in 2000 – was it 2017? I believe it was 2017. She was voted or named the most liberal – Senator in the U.S. Senate, which is a big, big statement. I think Newsweek did that. That's a big, big statement. Folks, she is on the ballot with Joe Biden. And being on the ballot with Joe Biden, as we pointed out yesterday, and as it came up last night in the debate as well, but being on the ballot with Joe Biden, Biden would be the oldest president ever elected. Biden is showing signs on the debate trail as he's hidden in his basement, as he's answering questions. In some cases, people think using teleprompters to do interviews. As he's doing these things and making more than just gaffes, making literally no sense. Of course, Biden's always made gaffes, so this is that's not new. But the degree to which these gaffes even make uh, you know, less that they make less sense as we go further into into Biden's uh, long, long, long political career spanning nearly half a century. Again, it's amazing, and I think this is a totally fair point. The leftists don't like it, but suddenly a guy that's been in D.C., been in the in the in crowd, basically one of the most powerful political men in America for a long, long time, close to half a century, at least 40 years in that category. Being, I mean, if you're a senator of the United States, folks, you're one of 100 people in that body, in that body that has a lot of power, acting as though, acting as though you've, um, 
you know, only served during times when America was fundamentally flawed shows that you as a candidate must be fundamentally flawed. And Pence hit on that a little bit last night as well, as he should have. But Pence was on point. Pence was not, uh, you know, it's, it's in many ways the polar opposite of what we saw last week between Biden and Trump. And I know, again, some people prefer this. Um, this one was more uh, issues focused, but it was much less entertaining, which, of course, is not the only reason to watch. But look, I mean, to keep people's attention, we have to there is something to be said about the entertainment factor of politicians. So anyway, I think it was clear that this was a, a much, much different feeling debate. This is something that many of the establishment types, people who you know, I have a friend that worries constantly about whether whether or not some suburban woman in some American city is going to be upset by Trump over something. And seeing this performance by Pence last night, my friend feels much, much better. I don't know, at the end of the day, how much difference does this make? How many Americans are truly undecided, undecided voters? How can you be undecided? Folks, we have two diametrically opposed two diametrically opposed worldviews on the ballot. And Pence exposed that last night. <clears throat> Whether it's talking about the Green New Deal, which the Biden, excuse me, the Harris-Biden plan for the Green New Deal, their version of the Green New Deal is slightly different, just slightly different. It's modified. It's the, it's the Green New Deal, except it's got a different name. That's what this is, and then they act. <clears throat> they act as though they have no uh, that their plan has nothing to you know, no similarity whatsoever to the Green New Deal. They they talked about taxes. Kamala Harris said that President, uh, if there was a President Biden in the Harris Biden administration, then he would he would eliminate the Trump tax cuts day day one. The Trump tax cuts, of course, have helped. I, it, it, this is another thing that should be a no-brainer. This, the Trump tax cuts have helped the vast majority of American families. Statistically, people in every group have benefited. Every uh, income group have benefited from the tax cuts. That plus the increased wages that have come. Now, of course, now we're dealing with a post post-COVID world, so that's you know, we're, we're recovering from those effects. But if you look at where the economy was prior to COVID, if you look at where it was prior to COVID, we had a, a roaring, strong economy, incredibly low, as low as unemployment rates can go, sort of numbers, stock market success, Business optimism, consumer confidence, all of these things moving forward. And they want to have a debate over the economy. I say let's have that debate. I think the average American is not prepared to become a socialist. I think the average American understands when it's properly explained to them what's on the ballot. But see, the Democrats want this to be – they want this to be a race as to – well, a race about race is what they want this to be, 
or race about gender. Kamala Harris is the first, would be the first black female vice president. That is apparently all it takes. That's all it took for her to be on Joe Biden's shortlist if you let that sink in. I was listening to her last night talk about the reasons Joe Biden chose her. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the truth is Joe Biden, she was on Joe Biden's shortlist, and Joe Biden has admitted this because this these are the only qualifications he gave prior to his selection of Kamala Harris for vice president. He said, I'm looking for it's going to be a black woman. He said it's going to be a woman, and then uh, at some point further down that path, he said it would be be a black woman. That's that's the discussion of qualifications. Again, no problems with it being a black woman or any, uh, you know, whichever male, female, whichever race. All that stuff is is not relevant to me. What's relevant is ideas. And see, last night we saw ideas on display. We saw a leftist who, if you look strictly at the logic of this, was decimated by the conservative on the stage. Now, some people are going to love the Kamala Harris faces. Some people are going to talk about the fly that landed on Mike Pence's hair. I had friends texting me about what's going on with Pence's left eye. See, I take notes during this thing. I didn't see... Didn't really notice much with the eye. For those of you that watched intently, I keep in mind my my eyes are on my I used my iPad last night to take the notes. I was jotting down things literally for an hour and a half. I didn't see I did see the fly. When I glance up, the fly was pretty obvious at certain angles. So that was a big thing on Twitter. So we have to factor that in. What do people you know? Some people there, there's someone in America today that saw a fly land on Pence, and suddenly they can't vote for Pence because that's some sort of omen or something. Guarantee it, there's someone in America that thinks about that, that, that literally will base a decision on that. that that's, those are the voters that, that those are the voters that make these elections difficult to predict because anything can happen between now and the time they cast their ballots. You know, someone might see that Pence has a great jump shot. Or that, who knows, Kamala Harris likes to surf or who knows, whatever it is. And that could be, that's why campaigns do these silly, stupid things. That's why we had in 2016, sexy, sexy, sexy Martin O'Malley. You probably don't even remember Martin O'Malley unless you followed the election closely. Martin O'Malley was basically, the Democrats didn't even know about Martin O'Malley. He was one of five Democrats on that stage back in 2016. Remember that very diverse stage the Democrats gave us with five old white guys and a Clinton? Sexy, sexy, sexy Martin O'Malley was completely irrelevant. Completely, I mean, it was between Hillary and the nutty professor Bernie Sanders back then. And there were a couple of other guys that no one knew anything about. And the only way that sexy, sexy, sexy Martin O'Malley had any relevance was he showed up at a Maryland beach one day without his shirt on, and Twitter went bonkers over it. They like this guy shirtless, I guess. Hence the name Sexy, Sexy, Sexy Martin O'Malley. So, but this is, you know, there's that component, but then there's also the, the studious types that think, oh, wow, Trump, you know, Pence made a great point here. Kamala Harris doesn't know what she's talking about there. She was exposed in many ways. I think she revealed the type of 
um, well, her facial expressions and, and kind of attitude revealed a lot. I, I don't know how that's appealing to, to the average person. I'm sure to some they thought she was sticking it to the, the Trump administration and she was standing up there with Joseph Goebbels in her mind. So, of course, she should be a little bit – have a little bit of an attitude. So there's that wing of the discussion as well. But I think overall this was – this was um, Pence pretty much dominated this thing last night. Pence, Pence dominated this this debate. Um, Kamala Harris to me had no good moments. And again, I'm, I, this is – I she didn't do anything over the top that was – you know, going to, I think, harm her in great, great ways, although she was incredibly unlikable. But I maintain if you watched any of the Democrat debates back uh, back earlier this year, I think you would find that she wasn't likable then as well. She's just not a very um, – she's just not a largely likable candidate. She's – She's she kind of comes across a little bit hateful and condescending, if you ask me. Maybe a lot. So I just don't know how this. I don't think that she helped Biden last night. But again, how many people watch these things? Really uncertain about who they're voting for. And if they do, if they are quote unquote uncertain, are they ninety five percent certain? And they're just looking to see if there's any reason they would switch their minds. This is what I don't know. There's not a large, in my estimation, a large swath of undecided voters. Could be wrong. Again, people make decisions based upon things sometimes that make literally no sense. Sometimes people have perceptions that I don't, I'm not aware of that do make sense. I don't, you know, there's just a variety of possibilities here, but I just think just the overall feeling of that last night was that Pence stayed on point. Pence uh, exposed her radical ideas a little bit. I don't know how many people pick up on that. I don't know how many people care about that. Who, again, who've been undecided here. But Pence pretty much annihilated her in the debate. Uh, But at the same time, she didn't do anything that dramatically, unquestionably is going to hurt the Biden campaign. Now you can point to things and say it should, and I would agree. But I, again, she didn't do any, uh, have any major slip ups and gaffes or su- super embarrassing moments. Um, she lost pretty much the argument on all these issues because, again, I mean, you're up against conservatism. If you're a radical leftist, I mean, it's it's. I don't know how you win those arguments. You you really can't. Anyway. More to say about this. Got to take a time out here a little bit long in the segment. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Sorry if you're watching on watching the video online at dropped there as I was searching some notes on the iPad. I thought I could do that, but apparently I can't, so sorry about that. It's uh, back up and running, but anyway. So, um, you know, something else about last night. Did did anyone else get the feeling? And and I really, look, I I am biased. I am a 
conservative. I am a uh, someone who comes on here to articulate and promote a series of ideas. Now, it's ideas that I legitimately and sincerely believe in. These are ideas that um, I've I think are the bedrock upon which this nation is built. I believe that these ideas are critical for this nation uh, to to you know build the future of you know build this entire nation upon. I think that these are critically important ideas. So it's not as though I'm just taking a side and randomly saying stuff. I really believe what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes we use hyperbole and exaggeration and we have some fun, but I believe what I'm saying on this on this program, but I am biased. But I think I can be pretty fair. And I do think that as I watched this last night, I got the feeling, and I've made this comment to a couple of folks as I listened to the questions. In fact, I had intended, I did not do this, I, of course, watched the whole debate. I was hoping to to pull up, and maybe Oz can do this now, but I just wanted to see a list of the questions, just a list of the questions that were asked because it felt like to me the questions basically were like this. Uh, Senator Harris, tell us how bad the Trump administration is. And then Vice President Pence explained to the American people why the Trump administration is so bad. That's how <laughs> that's how I felt that this debate could be summed up. I really do. I think objectively. And look, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have asked tough questions. I think that this is exactly the place, the time for tough questions to be asked, but it should be asked in a you know, kind of a two-way street sort of thing. It shouldn't be you know, one group of or one individual having to deal with all the, you know, everything that is not as it should be. You're the you're the vice president. You have to give us an answer today about how you're going to make everything or why you've made, why you haven't fixed everything. And then, of course, I'm going to tell or ask Kamala to explain how her administration or how the Harris Biden administration would do this. And that's kind of how this felt last night. I think. I think. And when you when you take a look at what the left is preparing to do, what the left is setting up to do here, the left and their plan, of course, is to win the Senate, is to win the presidency, is to hang on to the House. After last night where Pence pinned Kamala down and asked her a very simple question, Kamala getting a little bit of an attitude about this, as she did with most things, may I add. But Pence basically pinned her down and said, are you going to stack the courts if we confirm the Senate confirms Amy Coney Baird? And by the way, he said it would be great if she got a fair trial and she was or trial hearing a fair hearing and wasn't treated the way that you and other senators treated Brett Kavanaugh. That would be a fantastic thing because. Amy Coney Barrett is one who's going to interpret the Constitution and the law, and she's going to apply that. And we think that that's a good thing. If people want to change the laws, they can change the laws, but they shouldn't do that through the courts. The courts are for interpreting what the laws were supposed to mean, what the Constitution was written to mean, and then Congress changes the laws. Novel concept. This is not done in 2020 anymore. 
In fact, the left has not used Congress uh, for a long time, other than when they passed Obamacare, and they did that by stretching some stretching some things to fit into their uh, priorities. And you see the, the price they paid in 2010 for that decision. They prayed, uh, paid a massive price. But the left's plan is to win complete control of government and then do exactly what was suggested last night, pack the Supreme Court, throw a couple more seats up there, make it 11 or 13 or 15 or whatever they can come up with, Pack the court, get a majority, not by filling vacancies, instead instead by just creating seats on the court so that they can fill them, and Joe Biden can fill those seats. Then they want to make D.C. and Puerto Rico states, so not because they uh, – the idea of D.C. being a state is to me one of the most reprehensible ideas that there is for those that really understand American politics. If if D.C. voters need representation, okay, then let's make D.C. voters part of Virginia again. It's carved out of that state anyway. At one point in time, it was carved out of Maryland too, but they Maryland's now the Springfield, whatever, uh, Springfield area, Franconia, Springfield, all that. And D.C. exists inside land, well, across the river where land was carved out uh, from the state of Virginia. D.C. and no no universe would the founders have agreed with D.C. being a state. D.C. was set aside specifically for being a place where the federal government existed. That's what it was for. Make it its own thing. If D.C. needs statehood, then D.C. needs to return to the state from where it came. No, I, no reason for D.C. to be a state other than because the left believes it's a it is. It is a liberal stronghold, and it would have two liberal senators and another liberal congressman. Same thing with Puerto Rico. Even the, even though the Puerto Rican uh, governor comes out and endorses Trump, and yes, she's a Republican, but still a lot of Republicans, or at least some, um, some Republicans have come out and endorsed Joe Biden. So. Anyway, the point is, this is their strategy. And when you listen to the things that were being mentioned on that stage last night and how she refused to answer that question about packing the court and those sorts of things, it's very clear, it's abundantly clear, that this is what the left's plan is. And to become a basically a one-party system that... Um, and there's no opposition. They can rule by fiat, and they can prevent prevent ever having to deal with another Donald Trump sort of candidate, campaign, presidency, any of that. They want to lock this thing up for eternity and move us headlong into socialism, more big government, more liberalism, which, by the way, friends, means less liberty and freedom. This is their intent. No matter what they're saying up there, blah, 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 to some point, it's all a, a ruse to move us in, in this direction and to move us towards one-party rule, to move us towards more lovers of big government and to effectively radically change and transform America as 
as we know it. That's the unstated plan. That's why she wouldn't answer that question last night. And that is why we should be incredibly concerned about this election. And very, very, very important election here coming up in just a little over three weeks now. So long in this segment again. Oz is telling me it's time to take a break. Sometimes she throws her hands up over here and almost disgust at my <laughs> inability to uh, to acknowledge it's time. But it is time. So I'll take a time out here, come back, talk about this debate. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So let's um, let's play a little bit um, of these sound bites from last night. Let's do that. I think that that is a good thing to do right now. I'm, I'm sure that uh, many of you watched this last night, but you know it's always different. I think to hear it, you know, you get kind of engrossed in the moment, and you're, of course, I'm taking notes. I could. Like a goober over there, but anyway. So here's um, here is the exchange about whether or not the left is going to pack the courts, whether or not Biden would try to pack the Supreme Court. I I have I mean I don't think the average American. Now you're different. You follow politics. You understand this stuff. For those of you that are new, you're trying to learn. If you don't know, that's totally fine. That's understandable. Our Education system is not very good at teaching us about these things. That's a whole other discussion altogether. But anyway, I don't think the average person even can tell you the purpose of the courts. You know, this whole idea of liberal conservative on the court, really what it should be, the differences or what matters, the terms really are judicial activist or someone who adheres to the law and the Constitution as it was written and as it was intended to be interpreted. You see, words mean things. If words don't mean things, what's the point in writing down words? What's the point in saying anything if, in fact, words don't mean a thing? See, words mean something. In fact, really, ideas mean something. Ideas change the trajectory of life as we know it on this planet. And so in order to protect ideas and to make sure those ideas are not lost over the course of time because of intrusive, over-the-top government, people like our founders wrote down the things that really matter. Hey, just to remind you, Americans, here are things that you are, that you have because of God. You have these, um, you, you have these freedoms. This isn't all of them. But this is some of them. And here's what we're going to do. These words are going to restrain our government so that they don't infringe upon your freedoms, which, by the way, has happened across all cultures and governments and nations throughout this world time and time and time and time and time again. This is what happened. This is what big governments do. So I want you to hear this exchange. Again, packing the courts would be while it's something that's not uh, prohibited in the Constitution, it's certainly not something that the uh, that well, for like Penn said, for the past hundred and fifty or whatever it is years, we have we have had 
nine justices. Liberals, because they've, well, it appears, who knows what's going to happen after these hearings, they're going to lose this argument over Amy Coney Barrett as long as the likes of Mitt Romney and or Susan Collins and or Lisa Murkowski and or any other Republican who might break ranks here um, as long as they stand firm. But anyway, this debate about the Supreme Court matters. Here's this exchange, and note that Kamala Harris never answers the questions as Vice Prince, uh, Vice President Pence says. are voting right now, they'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court if you don't get your way in this nomination. Let's talk about packing. You once Come again on. gave a non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer. <laughs> trying to answer you the now. American people deserve a straight answer, and and if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme and Court. Her reactions are if so they somehow win this election. Men Mr. and women, Vice I, I, I got to tell you, people across this country, if you cherish smug. our Supreme Court, if you cherish the separation of powers, She's you need angry. to reject the Biden-Harris ticket. Come November the third, reelect President Donald Trump, and <laughs> we'll stand by that separation of powers in a nine-seat Supreme Court. Yeah, there, you there you go. Simple. Simple. She can't say it. She didn't say it. She wouldn't say it. She wouldn't say, no, we are committing to stay with a nine-seat Supreme Court because the truth is we'll do whatever we have to do. And if we have all three branches, well, if we have both houses and the presidency, we will make sure we will make sure that we have utter control of the Supreme Court as well, which is a terrible way, a terrible way to govern. But yet that is what they will do. She would not deny it. She also didn't confirm it, but, I mean, she did in a sense as well. But these reactions, the looks that she gives Pence, the pursing of the lips, the she literally put her head on her hands as though she was almost mockingly listening to Pence. I mean, she's just not a likable candidate. I, I objectively do not understand why anyone believes that this is a good choice only as a good choice for superficial qualities, which is Biden said he's going to have a black female vice presidential candidate. If you want to know why people think she's a good choice, that is it. It's not because of ideology, except for the fact that she will be used to try to secure that radical left wing vote because she's a radical leftist. She's a radical leftist. Got to take a break here. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. One of the things that Biden has promised to do, and I've said this numerous times on this program, if elected, oh, if I'm elected, I'm going to cure cancer, says Joe Biden in the Harris-Biden administration. He's going to cure cancer. He's going to cure Alzheimer's, and he is going to cure diabetes, poof, probably cure COVID as well. I don't know if he's been asked that, but why not? I think he should just put an end to all disease and death. Why not? Just executive order, day one, get it over with, write it down with a pen and paper, problem solved. Joe Biden's in the office. Everything is you know, back to the utopian dreams of the radical left. Now, if Biden, God forbid, is elected president, and if somehow cancer and all these other conditions can be cured, let me be the first to tell you that if 
I was ever, if I ever had a diagnosis of a disease that Biden somehow cured, I would take the cure. I would. But apparently Kamala Harris would not. This, folks, is beyond childish to me. Listen to this exchange about the vaccine. Listen. um, Just listen to to this. Dr. Anthony Fauci and other experts say that most of the people who can be vaccinated need to be vaccinated. But half of Americans now say they wouldn't take a vaccine if it was released now. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Vice President. What is that? How old is she? This is like a... Folks, I've got a, a, a 11, a 9, and a, well, soon to be, I guess, relatively soon to be 7-year-old. This, this, I don't even... I don't know. I'm sure that they would at some point, you know, kids are kids, but I don't even know if my kids would say this. Hey, if you get, if you get sick, um, and the doctor wants to give you something that makes you better, your little six year old, would you take it? Mm, depends which doctor it was. Is that, is that, I wouldn't even expect this from my child. What is this? This is so pathetic. So pathetic. If Donald Trump tells me, I'm not going to do it. Okay, well, don't. What the, What if they both tell you? What if Fauci comes out and says the vaccine's safe and Trump? Then what do you do? I mean, I think that may make Kamala Harris's, excuse me, Kamala, not intentional, Kamala Harris's head explode. What do you do then? How are you going to map this out? What's the logical solution to that, Senator Harris? The hatred. If anything was on display last night for you to see, it is the unbridled hatred that people like Kamala Harris have towards conservative principles, values, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, the administration. It was unmitigated anger, disgust, and even at times hatred. And she, to the point to where she wouldn't take the vaccine if Trump said to take it. Listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. You know, I know a lot of just waning moments here, but a lot of folks, you know, people listen with all different backgrounds and experiences. But last night, I don't have time to play it, but Pence said that the Biden, excuse me, the Harris-Biden administration's (laughs) plan for dealing with COVID sounds a lot like the Trump plan for dealing with COVID. And Trump, or excuse me, Pence says that maybe the Biden, excuse me, Harris-Biden administration plagiarized, which is something Joe Biden knows about. For those of you that have not followed things, you know, if you know someone hasn't followed it closely or whatever, have them look up Joe Biden's plagiarism. Talk about someone who's lied officially multiple times. There it is. Folks, I've got to go. Have a great day. SDGC soon. Take care.